All right, guys. Thank you. This is our inaugural uh, podcast for executive athletes, and this is our guest number one, um, John Brubaker. And John, I'll tell you a little bit about story about John and why we have him on the podcast as the first guest. And you know, number one, I want to thank him for you know he's one of the ones who really pushed me to do this um, to get this executive athletes podcast up and running, get things rolling, really going in the you know going in the right direction. Um, number two, I'll tell you a little bit about John's background. He, uh, he's a success coach, um, works with athletes, works with professionals, works with people who are really looking to take their next step in their life. You know, and number three, he's in a, you know, an award-winning author. Um, you know, you're, you're in the presence of greatness. He's got his most recent book that he just held up, Stadium Status, um, the number two, actually, I think is his first one, is a coach approach. And now he's trying to create a screenplay, um, Seeds of Success. So if any of you guys are in the movie business and want to make a movie, he's actually got a screenplay all ready to go. Um, some pretty exciting stuff. But he's also, you know, the reason why I actually had him, you know, on here as the first guest is, you know, he's got the, the rare distinction of being our inaugural guest speaker at the Executive Athletes event. So let's have him, you know, the first speaker be the first guest that we have on the podcast. And, you know, it's an exciting time. Um, you know, as you, many of you guys saw last week, uh, you know, new website, number of new pieces of the puzzle are all coming together. We're going to be launching a member-only site probably here in the next 30 days as well, where you're going to be able to get a lot of insight um, from other executives and other athletes, as well as, you know, some pro deals on stuff and some pretty cool um, programs that we're putting together. So, you know, number one, thanks, John, for, you know, helping push this. But number two, you know, tell us a little bit about what you do, what your background is, and how you ended up doing what you're doing. I know you're a college lacrosse coach, and, you know, and we'll let it go from there. Sure. Thanks for having me on the podcast, Ken. It's uh, really an honor, and I love the, the community that you've built uh, with executive athletes and just kind of watching it grow by leaps and bounds. And just like, it's an amazing community of just a list game changers. And um, just excited to be a part of this. Yeah. You had mentioned I was a college lacrosse coach. Uh, I, I prefer to think of myself as a recovering college lacrosse coach. I got burnout. Um, uh, I was a college coach for 12 years, small college level, and uh, got fired on my birthday for not winning a national championship. Uh, the irony of it was, was my athletic director was famous for remembering people's birthdays. So, you know, typically it'd be... That didn't work well. No, for me, you know, uh, but it gave me a great story. Typically he would, you know, he would, you know, schedule like a, uh, an emergency staff meeting for the whole athletic department. Uh, roll out uh, a big cake for whoever, you know, his birthday it was, a couple presents, that kind of thing. Make, uh, you know, all the grown adults sing happy birthday, which nobody wanted to do. But it became kind of a, a fun tradition that was always his calling card. Um, and I assure you, I didn't get a cake and no one sang to me, but he did give me a gift. And that was a gift of perspective, gift of balance. Uh, I had no work-life balance. I had no work-life boundaries. You know, I was burning the candle at both ends. I was actually taking a flamethrower to it, really, sleeping in the office, uh, making recruiting calls late at night, and just uh, really, uh, he probably saved my marriage and saved my relationship with my kids. 
uh, as a result of, you know, what was at the time felt like, or I thought it was a horrible experience. It was actually great. He walked to my office and just said, uh, I had a meeting with uh, President Deegan and I just had a meeting and we came to the conclusion there's one thing keeping us from winning a national championship in men's lacrosse. So here I am on my birthday, kind of eternal optimist, and I'm thinking, all right, it's going to be one of two things. He's either going to tell me he's lobbied for a full-time assistant because I always, it was, we're always understaffed, or I'm going to get a full complement of scholarships because everybody else had 10.8 scholarships and we had 10.6, we had 3.8. Um, wow. Or, or maybe both, you know. And we had just come off of uh, NCAA Final Four appearance. We were ranked in uh, top 10 three years in a row, a bunch of All-Americans, academic All-Americans. We had a road Scholarship finalist. I was coach of the year the year before. And he said, that one thing, John, is you. Hands me an envelope. And it was my buyout. And being at a small tuition-driven college, I assure you that the number on that check was not a large number at all. I had a wife, a mortgage, and an infant. And I really had to figure out what I was going to do and reinvent myself. And that's really the day I became an entrepreneur and uh, became self-employed. I started out working in sponsorship sales and broadcasting for ESPN Radio. And I got opportunities. And, you know, when, you, when you're a broadcaster uh, for, you know, um, major media outlet like that, even though it was, you know, a, a group of small affiliates in the Carolinas. It wasn't like I was on ESPN national, but you get opportunities to go speak at different business events, rotary, you know, all sorts of civic groups, things like that. Um, and you know, somebody, one of my colleagues noticed I had a talent for just speaking to groups of people, corporate motivation kind of became my thing. I took a locker room pep talk that I would give my team and I would give it to companies and different organizations and just decided that was really the career path I wanted to take and left broadcasting, you know, three years in and have been self-employed ever since. I probably picked the worst time possible to start a business. And that was right before the economic downturn in 2008 when business uh, contracted by 50%. But, you know, um, speaking, writing, executive coaching has been been my thing. I think that, you know, and you being a former collegiate athlete, current uh, highly competitive athlete, you know, in adulthood, and uh, every executive athlete who's listening to this, I think, you know, everyone would all agree that, you know, the fundamentals are the fundamentals. You know, whether it's as an athlete, as a salesperson, as a CEO, there's certain fundamentals we have to follow. And when, you know, things unravel and we're not getting the results we want, it's not like, it's not like any big thing strategy wise. It's probably just deviated away from our fundamentals. And that's it, you know, and and I think, you know, and that sort of goes into my, you know, into one of my first questions and talking about it is, you know, you're a success coach, you know, you've gotten teams to a national championship, you know, you've, you know, you had some great stories. And then, you know, it's even a better story of, you know, getting fired and then, you know, rallying, you know, and that's, you know, again, I think many people know the executive athlete story that it was started during the recession. It's like use adversity to, you know, to propel you forward. And, you know, and I think, you know, what are your thoughts? You know, what makes people successful? What makes them different? You know, you know, successful people are different than sort of non-successful people. But, you know, 
and I, and I don't know if it's a will, if it's a desire, you know, what are your thoughts, you know, and you mentioned fundamentals. Talk, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I think uh, the great American philosopher uh, who sums it up best is a guy by the name of Babe Ruth. And he said, it's hard to beat a person who just won't give up. And, you know, you look at every single success story and it's someone who's turned adversity to advantage. Uh, it's also someone who hasn't allowed their ego to get in the way and doesn't make it about themselves. They make it about others. You know, you look at every single iconic brand today in the United States and they faced adversity. Uh, they've also had a leader who didn't make it about themselves. themselves. Uh, they make it about their employees and then the employees make it about the customers. You know? Right. And, you know, and that's, and that's it, right? It's, you know, it's all about the people you're serving, you know, and m many people think it's all about them. And, you know, you know, as well as I do that most people, when it's all about them, it's all about them for a certain amount of time and until it's no longer all about them. Um, and that was probably the beginning of the end for me with my coaching career was, you know, I, I thought a lot of our success was all about me. And you know, I'll never forget, there's one particular moment after we went to the NCAA Final Four. Uh, we had lost the eventual national champs in 2002. And I'm sitting in my office with my assistant coach, Ken, and we're strategizing, you know, where we're going, looking at the map, you know, just uh, looking at different names, kids we want to go do home visits with. And, and, you know, when you have success, and you hadn't previously had success, it allows you to get in some living rooms that you, you normally wouldn't be able to get into and, and talk to a better caliber of candidate, you know, kind of, uh, you know, blue chip recruits as opposed to, you know, the crumbs. Right. And um, we are sitting in there and my secretary comes in, knocks on the door and she's like, uh, Coach Brubaker, y'all got a phone call? Uh, you want me to transfer it? Uh, who is it? And she says, ESP Ann. I'm like, and picture, this is Laurenburg, North Carolina. This is like the deep South. And so she is, picture the stereotypical Southern belle. That's Millie. Right. And uh, so I'm like, ESP Ann. Oh, um, Millie. She's like, you know, them TV people. I'm like, oh, ESPN. Okay. Sure. Transfer the call. So my assistant uh, is sitting in there and, he, and he's like, you know, um, I'm thinking this is probably one of those times where you let me handle the media request, you know, uh, like you have in the past. From time to time, you know, I let him take media requests, uh, whether it's a local public access channel or the newspaper. I'll let him talk to them after a game. I'm like, no, actually, you know, just sit back and, and watch and take notes. I'll handle it. So the phone rings. I let it ring like four or five times. It won't seem desperate. I answer this coach and – I'll never forget this guy for as long as I live, Ken. His name is Richard. Hello, Coach Brubaker. This is Richard calling from ESPN, Bristol, Connecticut. Uh, I know your time is very valuable. Do you have just a minute? I just have one question I want to ask you. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, Richard, my time is all yours. Ask as many questions as you want. Uh, my program, my career, open book to you, my friend. Richard says, that's great. Um, about a year ago, like, so hang on, Kent. So let's backtrack. Like, if you're me and ESPN's calling you, what are you thinking? Oh, yeah, you're ready to go. Let's Mike and Mike, it's going to be Mike and Mike in the morning. Maybe it's going to be Sports Center. Like, what are they going right. to ask you? You know, like, 
Um, you know, how'd you take a team that never had a winning season to the NCAA Final Four? Like, like how'd, how'd you do it with such a small budget, without scholarships? Like, so my mind's racing. I'm wondering who Richard is about to tee up and put on the phone for me. You know, maybe it's Roy Firestone for Fireside Chat. So Richard says, that's great. I just have one question for you. About a year ago, we sent you a complimentary subscription to ESPN, the magazine. Oh, my God. It expired. Would you like to renew? There's no better phone call than that. Yeah. So, like, I'm sitting there thinking, thank God I didn't have him on speaker because my assistant would be hearing all this. He's just right. sitting there in the background. I'm like, oh, man. Like, what do I do? I just said, Richard, if it's not Chris Berman in SportsCenter, I'm not interested. I just <laughs> That is thinking, Yeah, he's thinking I hung up on SportsCenter. Right. How did you overcome that adversity, you know, of so, you know, lacrosse was your whole life, you're coaching, and then next thing you know, you get, you get fired, you know, you're out on your ass, you know, you must have been like, what do I do? What do I do next? How did you handle that? Well, here's the irony of that phone call a year later, I end up going to work for ESPN, right? Like, that was the irony of it. You know, your ego is not your amigo. I thought it was about me. Um, and, and, you know, I was looking at what I had already accomplished. I was looking at what we just got done doing. I wasn't looking forward towards next year and what's next. And you know, I think that's the mistake that, that people make when they aren't following the fundamentals and they're not focused on like, okay, so Bill Belichick, every press conference, what's he say? Not much. The game's over. We're on to, we're on to the Jets. Moving you know, to the next we're on, one. We're on to Buffalo. We're moving – it's all about what's coming up next as opposed to what they've accomplished. So I think that when, when people are hitting a ceiling, or they're struggling or, you know, they're a victim of their own success. It's because they let it go to their head like I did. Um, but I did get one nice souvenir coincidence as, as it may be, Ken. Look at that. ESPN, ESPN the, the magazine. magazine. So I have this nice fleece that I sometimes wear, but mostly keep in my closet as a reminder you know what? Your ego is not your amigo. Right. And as a, as a success coach and someone comes to you and they go through the same, you know, go through the same, you know, the same uh, issues, what would you tell them? I would just tell them, like, we've constantly got to find ourselves a new challenge. And uh, you know, I had the privilege of working for the last three years with Pittsburgh Pirates organization, uh, going down to speak at spring training and during the season. Um, with their coaching staff and you know they do a great job bringing in different you know leadership experts authors speakers people like myself they're a whole kind of army of people they have converge on spring training after the next uh just to really pour into their coaches about you know you know here are some pitfalls to avoid you know when it comes to like culture leadership teamwork whatever it might be i think that clint hurdle their manager probably sums it up better than anyone when it comes to what to avoid a lot of people want to talk about mental toughness and saying you've got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable you know and and i actually like what clint says because it's the opposite he says we should be uncomfortable with being comfortable. Mm -hmm. And what that really is to me is like complacency is the enemy. Yes. You know, when, when, when you hit a ceiling or, you know, you plateau and you're not getting to that next level, you know what? It's probably because you're a little too comfortable and you've gotten comfortable with being comfortable. 
We should be uncomfortable with being comfortable because we should be uncomfortable with the fact we're not pushing ourselves. Enough. We should be uncomfortable with the fact that, you know, we're probably operating in fourth gear and we're going fast. We're in fourth gear, but there's a whole other gear that we can shift into if we're just willing to realize, you know what, comfort, comfort is not a good thing. Complacency is the enemy. So I, I think that is the biggest yes. thing. Yeah. You know, like I, I look at, you know, how I let my fitness level decline. I got comfortable just being where I was at. And I started to, when you get comfortable, you coast. Right. And it, that's, that's the enemy. And people focus so much on the quote competition, you know, and looking over their shoulder to see what, you know, the, uh, the other financial services firm, the other real estate agency in their market or what, you know, what's competition's doing. If you're looking at what the competition's doing, you're not focused on being the best version of yourself. Like the competition is in the freaking mirror every morning when you wake up and look and, and it's that simple. It, it so is, right? You know, I know for me personally, you know, when I'm not, when I start getting complacent is when I start getting anxious because I'm always wondering, you know, what's next or not, or what, is, um, you know, because by the time you're complacent, someone's either running away from you, the economy's changing, everything, you know, change happens so quickly and overnight, and you have to be ready for change. And the second you become complacent, you know, it's all right to be complacent, you know, for a week after you put a big deal together, or you do this, or you do that, or it's a big event that you, you're done. But, you know, a week's about enough. And then it's time yeah. to, you know, start to get back at it. And a lot of times, you know, it's like, it's even quicker than that. You know, it's here. Yeah. You know, what I've it's, seen and lots of people I've talked to is, you know, you just got to get right back in the saddle. And, you know, I look at the, the gift that I was given on my birthday when I got fired. Yeah. And it's that like, since then, professionally, I haven't been complacent a single day of my life since then. Because yeah. I'm constantly worried, like, I'm self-employed now, but like I'm constantly, and I think it's a healthy, productive fear, worried about what's going to happen next. You know, I need to be proactive. I need to be on offense, uh, not, you know, in the defensive posture in my business because things could change on the dime. And, you know, it, if they change because you changed, that's strategy. If they change because some sort of outside force is operating against you, that's usually a recipe for destruction. So it's one thing we change and, and we're being proactive. That's strategy. It's another thing if we're in a defensive posture and th we are, are allowing things to happen to us. Now, I just think there's a lot to be said for not letting anyone outwork you. you know, I'm not the smartest guy. Obviously, you see me on the, on the score. We're doing a video chat. I'm not the best looking guy either, but I can tell you no one's going to outwork me with what I do. And that's it, right? It's, it's, it's having that work ethic. It's, you know, having the grind, it's, you know, being willing to, you know, get up early and, you know, and stay up late and to be, you know, there's no need to be watching football games for four hours on Saturday. You know, people ask me, you know, what, what sports you watch or what do you do? And I'm like, I don't watch any of them because I'd rather go for a four hour bike ride or get, you know, work on, you know, my business one way or the, or that type of stuff. And, you know, it's that, what are the, you know, what's Tony Robbins say? The net time, no extra time, time. Yeah. And that you can get more done in that time than you can, you know, when you're actually doing your job. You know, well, so, so many people are spectators in their own lives. Right. You know, like the, everyone, you, you just describe people being a spectator as opposed to being an active participant. 
And yeah, it's, uh, that's what I worry about with media today with, with our kids and, and a whole generation. You know, and those spectators, you know, they try to be professional critics, right? And they're, yeah. you know, they don't make statues for critics. No. Right. You know, is, is what it comes down to. And, you know, and you're talking about, you know, the self-employed thing and, you know, I'm going to put my recruiter hat on a little bit here. It's, you know, you get hired for two reasons. You either save a company money or you make a company money. And that's, you know, you yourself, you know, you're living that every day because you're the guy, you know, that's doing one or both, you know, for organizations. And, you know, and I think we were talking earlier before, you know, before this and talking a bit about, you know, you're your, you know, no matter what you are, you're your own business person, yeah. you know, and if you can't describe what you do, you know, daily um, to someone who asks you if you're saying, you know, how to save them money or make them money, you know, you're an expendable person. Yeah. I, I love to say, if you can't describe what you, what you do as a process, uh, you don't know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people who say, well, you know, here's like the, the field that I work in. Well, how do you do that? Uh, I can't really describe it. You have to come experience it or, you know, you'd have to hire me first. You can't describe it. I ain't hiring you. Right. You know what? You're just throwing stuff on the wall to see what'll stick. So and you know, I'm not going to be a guinea pig. And you know, I think that you had mentioned the, the critics and, and having haters. And I think that's a beautiful thing right now in a way, because there's so much democratization of, of media and critiques, you know, like everybody, you know, if you own a restaurant, you know, their Google reviews, Yelp reviews, Facebook reviews, you've got to bring your A game for, you know, I think fear is a healthy motivator for fear of what someone's going to post if they have a less than outstanding experience in your facility at your establishment. And it's just, it's the same thing in, you know, the retail or the service business, any business good enough isn't good enough anymore. You got to deliver excellence and the, the ability for people to, to be able to voice their criticism in a manner they never previously could like before, what would it have been? They would have called the Better Business Bureau. It would have gone in a folder that would have gotten forgotten about. Or like at best, maybe they write a letter to the editor of the one newspaper everybody in town reads. Right. No, it's instant. Yeah. We live in a world of instant gratification, good or bad. You know, if you piss someone off at United Airlines and you tweet about it, you know, it's global pretty quick. And Absolutely. You, you have to realize that and you have to understand that. It's, um, you know, those are huge you know, huge pieces of the puzzle. You know, you work with a lot of people, you know, that are professionals, um, you know, probably what in their thirties, forties and fifties that are, you know, always looking for, you know, how do I take that next step? How do I get that next step in, you know, in their career? You know, what would you tell them, you know, from a career perspective, number one, then we'll jump into the athletic side. Every day in your current job, you're auditioning for your next opportunity. I think it's that simple, you know, uh, performance, whether it's in the athletic realm or if you're a corporate athlete, you know, you're only as good as today's performance. No, it's and huge. If they can embrace that mindset, like every day what you're doing. And I would see this all the time in coaching, Ken, because people would have like one eye open for other coaching jobs. Like you're never going to get that next job if you don't 100% believe in the job that you're currently in and you're not making the most of what you are, with what you got while you're there. And it's, it might sound simple, but that's the best advice I have. You know, if you do good, good will follow you. Every day you're building that resume. 
No, that's it. You know, and it's, you know, the philosophy I live by, you know, it's okay to be number one at being the number two guy. You know, a lot of people aren't, you know, they all say they want to be the leader, but a lot of people aren't cut out for it. And that's okay. You know, and it's, and realize that, but you know what, you can be the best damn, whatever you want to be, you know, that's going to, you know, become indispensable. And, you know, like what Seth Godin says in linchpin, be the linchpin, be the person that, you know, a team, a sport, anything that they can't live without. And you're never, you know, that's, you're going to have, you know, career success. You're going to have athletic success. You're going to have success in all areas of your life. Yeah. If you're, you know, if you focus on being the person that, yeah, that um, people can't be without. So. I think you touched on something really important there. If I could expand on that, yeah. being number one at being, being the number one guy at being the number two guy or girl. And, and if you think about what the number two person does in an organization, it's all the important stuff that number one doesn't want to do. Or like, can't that's not do. Fun. I'll delegate it or can't do. Yeah. But what that ends up making the number two is they become a buffer, for number one, and they also become the glue, you know, with uh, the, the rest of the team. And no, it's true. They're a little more accessible. So, like, that's absolutely, I believe, what you believe, the most integral role integral role in a team is you know, having a great number two. Right. No, that's huge. So, here, you know, let's wrap up here. We won't go yeah. too long. We're about a half an hour in. But, you know, tell us where people can find you. Uh, best way to find me is simply go to coachbrew.com. And here's a little coach brew tip for you. It doesn't matter how you spell that. You can spell it. You, you want to buy the misspelling of your name, your domain name. So you can buy, you can go to coachbru.com and that's the way it is spelled to get there. Or you go to coachbrew.com. It's still going to drive you there. Um, so if you own a company, you ought to buy the misspelling of the company name in terms of domains. Coach Bruce, the other Coach Bruce sounds like a lot of fun though. Uh, it, yes, it's uh, it's a more of a micro, brew, <laughs> micro version of me. But Perfect. if you, if you go to my website, all the resources are there. You can connect with me on social. Uh, I've got a newsletter that I put out called the Performance Report, and that's sort of the kind of the um, most people's typical introduction into me and my community is that. Perfect. No, make you know check out his email. It come you know there's some great tips every week. Also, too, check out his books. Um, you know, what Stadium Status, his latest book, is probably one of the easiest reads for, you know, sort of a, you know, success-driven book or, you know, they say so-called self-help, but it puts it in layman's terms, which most, you know, most people don't, aren't very good at and put it in layman's terms. And this is just real stuff with real people and, you know, and how they get to that next level. So, And Ken, if, if your listeners aren't on Audible, they can go to audibletrial.com slash coachbrew and get a free like a gift from me. They get a free download, any book they want. Perfect. They can always get my book, but they get a free free book as a gift and they can start their subscription that way. Uh, it is like you talk about no extra time. That's Dashboard University, man. Yeah, everyone, average commute time is 40 minutes in this country, round trip. And, you know, if you're listening to professional development resources, whether it's me or anyone else, this podcast, for example, you're going to get the equivalent of an MBA in less than a year of commuting back and forth from your job. It's amazing. It's amazing. So, no, thanks for being our first guest. You know, Rockstar, it's a, great to have you on board. And 
let's uh i'm sure we'll be helping each other out here you know probably for coming for phase two down the road so absolutely great to have you thanks ken bye